Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. Uh, I am here with our illustrious producer, Dylan Carnival, our remarkable co-host, John Amayo. We're, we're on the third recording of this day. Uh, of this day. So we it, are, and each time I get a different adjective on what kind of co-host <laughs> I am. I, I, Dylan has gotten illustrious every time. I don't know if there's no other adjectives you can think of for Dylan, or if that's it. I'm not sure exactly why. But. Well... You know, that's such a great point to our question today is why is everything a competition? That is. And, um, you know, there we go. So we are here with our friend Cody Schweikert. He is the first of our podcast guests to join the three interview club. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal, everybody out there in Why God Why Land. This is a big deal. This mm-hmm. is big. This is a big deal. He's backed by popular demand. Yeah, so basically we posted in our Facebook group, we said, what questions do you want to hear? And they said, why are we so competitive? And And so you know what we do, because we're attentive hosts like that, we just jump right on that. Mm -hmm. And we say, we're going to bring in the best person available. Why not Cody Schweikert? And and have him have him talk about competition, and he's doing so. I know all the folks at home as you're driving along right now in your car, as you're doing your workout. You know you, you can't see this, but Cody is wearing his high school football jersey as he is as he is here with us in studio today. He brought it out he of his bag right before we were going to play. You know, participate in this, and uh, this is. Pretty big deal. This is the first time I've seen Cody's high school football jersey. So, well, yeah, boys. I just figured we're doing this uh, show. We're talking about competition, and I need to channel, you know, my inner seventeen-year-old self when I was probably the most competitive in my life. And yeah. So I'm trying to go back to that space, and I just wanted to uh, give you guys the pleasure of experiencing the the bright purple Springville Griffins. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, folks, we are looking currently looking at a knockoff <laughs> Minnesota. It is a knockoff, knockoff Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings. Vikings jersey. I told Cody when he busted busted it out of his bag. I said, "Oh, I thought that was a Stefan Diggs jersey." So it's even better though. It's a Schweikert jersey. Well, so. my high school is pretty old. I we may date you know prior to the Vikings' existence. I don't know. You but, never know. Uh, well, you know, this has probably been the most relaxed start to a podcast. So speaking of competitiveness, yeah, I mean, look it? at the competitive look in Cody's eye, even right now, as we're I'm looking at him. at the mouth. <laughs> saliva all over the microphone. It's really, I'm glad we aren't videotaping this. It's, it would be embarrassing for him. It would be very, very embarrassing. Oh, good. Anyway, so we're talking today about competition. That's a big deal. It's all around us. Mm-hmm. We live in a competitive society. Mm-hmm. The question of the day is, why is everything so competitive? So... We're gonna bust, we're gonna talk about that, and uh, so Cody, you're 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 wearing your high school jersey here. Mm-hmm. We're gonna start with you, your life, like seasons of your life where you felt like, man, I I, I am just totally consumed by this competitive thing happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I you know I think back to growing up with uh, I got four brothers, you know, and so there was always competition for as early as I can remember. Then we played sports as kids and into high school, played football, basketball, track all year. And uh, it was just always something that uh, I was drawn to, competition, comparing myself to others. And, uh, you know, you guys asked the question, you emailed me ahead of time, asked me the question, uh, why is our culture so obsessed with competition? And I think about, uh, I think we're 
well, some of us, I think, are obsessed with ourselves, and, uh, and maybe that's the root of some of this competition stuff. So, uh, I know I'm going to do the basic, uh, the basic Christian guy thing, yeah. who is under 30 years old and <laughs> wants to sound really smart. So I pulled the C.S. Lewis quote. Wow, and, uh, well done! Not just because it's C.S. Lewis, but because I think it really gets to the root of uh, what you know, maybe why uh, our culture is so competitive. So I'll read it real quick. Is that okay? Is that okay? Please, um, please. Please, please do. Okay. All right. Do the proper citations in the show notes. I don't want to get a lawsuit on my hands. So here we go. Pride is essentially competitive. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they're not. They're proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride has gone. So that's not me saying competition's a bad thing, and uh, I think I think we'll go we'll explore that whole topic from different angles today. But mm. when I think about competition in my life, especially in the high school, Cody, I think about pride. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for joining us today, Cody. That was nice. Yeah. We appreciate having you yeah, here. Well, and uh, you. yeah, we'll just wrap it up from there. No, have me again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, let's have some real fun. Um, can you remember the record of your football team the senior year of high school? Oh, yeah. Come on, Peter. What was it? Well, what were we now? I, th- I thought I remembered <laughs> off the top of my head. I remember, oh, I know, five and four. Five and four, yeah. It was, uh, it was actually a huge success compared to the previous year when we went one and seven. Wow. So with that, that junior year of high school football, one and seven was devastating. And uh, yeah, that, that was really hard. So to go five and four after that was a dramatic improvement. So we felt pretty good about that. We won the toilet bowl that year. Um, we didn't make the playoffs, but we did make the, let's let them play a playoff game in quotes. You know? mm. And uh, we won that 47 to 14 or something well, like that. I don't remember the exact yeah. <laughs> I had three touchdowns. I don't remember. Three was, yeah, something like three touchdowns. A receiving touchdown, a punt return, and uh, a uh, interception return, or something like that. I don't remember. Something, yeah, not I exactly. I just you let know. go of these things in yeah. the past. I don't really relive those, or I don't have like a high school highlight you know, video on YouTube or anything like that that you can check <laughs> out if you're. I just don't care about that. I'm yeah. so I'm so looking ahead at what God has for my life that that's all just blurry in the past. All that and, stuff. Yeah, I don't even know where my high school football jersey is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's weird. Yeah. I mean, so. it could be right in front of your face, and you wouldn't even know <laughs> I would, it. No, it's you not. wouldn't know it. Anyway, yeah, yeah that's that, that is cool to see someone who's evolved that much in their life. <laughs> that's good. That's good. There's growth steps for all well, of us. Well, boys, what about you? I mean, you guys have experienced this a little bit. Is it too? Can I can I ask you a little bit to just? I think you certainly what's, can. What's the role of comp in your life in the past? Today, what? I so I feel like I'm selectively competitive. Mm-hmm. So if I feel like I'm good at something, um, and you know, pastors, there's a lot that we can be competitive over, mm-hmm. but uh, so you can be competitive what your church is doing versus someone else's church. You can be competitive in a meeting, mm-hmm. you know, competitive about ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like I, like, so like I play this game with, with a few friends um, it's called diplomacy. I am like terrible at these like strategy games. Mm-hmm. I legitimately don't care about winning. Mm-hmm. But you know, the funny thing is, is Cody and I have seen each other in a competitive environment. We, we played basketball. We have, oh. and and like if I know, like 
we played this one team. I don't think Cody was at this game. Like they were like all D one D two players. I, I don't know. If I the the one game I played with you, it was like everyone was really athletic and over six five. I was like, what is? I think that was YMCA. I think I may have been the one you're referring to. So it was like a hundred to thirty seven. That was a legitimate score. Yeah. So like I'm not competitive there, but if it's within like seven points, mm-hmm. if it's a game that I'm good at, um, you can kind of see it kind of come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I like to say that I'm not that competitive. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. Yeah. Uh, and my wife often calls me out on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've seen lots of pictures of families during quarantine time actually have like pictures of their family game night and everybody's <laughs> smiling. <laughs> Our family can't do game nights. Mm-hmm. And one of the primary reasons I've come to realize and accept is me. I am a problem in this. <laughs> and the problem is I get too competitive and I try to act like I'm not competitive yeah, yeah, yeah. in the middle of it. You absolutely and, do. And yeah. yeah, I do. You've yeah. seen me in these yeah, environments. Yeah. And so I play it off. Oh, you know, I play, play it down and I'm not that bad. You know, I'm a, and, and my kids, of course, see right through it and they get so angry at me mm-hmm. because I'll do these smug things when mm-hmm. I'm winning. Mm-hmm. I'm especially smug. <laughs> and, and we can, were can playing. We, can we hear some of this trash talk? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well... Okay, so we played Monopoly as a family. Mm, good idea. I don't know. Yeah. It was like six months ago we played Monopoly as a family. That was a good idea. Yeah, it was a great idea. Because me as a dad, I want to have these family memories, well, you know, yeah. that my kids can look back on and just think back, wow, what a special time. Well, you're we a good dad. dad. That's why. You're a, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I didn't say it, but right. well, you're the third time guest here. So. That's right. Yeah. So so anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm there with the family. Mm-hmm. We're around the Monopoly table. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing pretty well. And, you know, I must have had some smug look on my face. <laughs> and my son decides, you know my son. Both of you know my son quite well. A little competitive well. himself. Uh, yeah, just slightly. A little bit. Yeah, he's more outwardly competitive he than his father. He might be the most competitive. <laughs> I know, actually. Other I know, than Michael yeah. Jordan, maybe. I, yes. Yeah. We just had a conversation on our last podcast Palmer. about this. Yeah, about and he said Michael Jordan was the same Enneagram number as my son says he is. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so my son's whole purpose for the rest of the game was I'm going to take my old man out. And he played the whole rest of the game not caring if he won or not. No. His sole goal was to take me out of the Monopoly game. And so he worked with my wife and my lovely daughter to – to finagle deals so that I would get taken out of the game. Mm -hmm. And I got so mad at him for trying to finagle the deals. And I thought, certainly this is going to backfire on him. I'm going to win. And then he's going to, you know, be so mad. Right. The, the guy's plan worked. Yeah. <laughs> it worked. So, and I ended up losing the Monopoly game. It was horrible and, and depressing. Uh, and how many how many boards have gone flying at your house? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. There, but it was all the face. It was the it smug was the, face you had. Yeah. They well, say even now, there. even when you started that story, you're like, yeah. we play Monopoly, and I was doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, it, it's better to just say, like, I was kicking butt. I was winning. Yeah. Uh, you have to do this thing. Where you're like, I don't, I'm not going to say it, but, yeah, yeah I, you know, read between the lines. It's me. <laughs> so. Cody Boom, knows me too roasted. well. Yes. Boom, roasted. Yeah. Cody knows me too well. Yeah. So, okay. So, Cody, mm-hmm. thank you for letting us delve into our lives as well on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really helpful in exposing our own issues. Um, 
but what do you think? Like, okay, so C.S. Lewis says competition comes from pride. We want to mm -hmm. compare ourselves to the next person. As long as I'm doing well next to the person, you mm -hmm. know, beside me, I'm feeling better about myself. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you see that playing out today in people's lives? Yeah, so I, I think about, um, again, not just sports here. I think about something like uh, social media, which is, unfortunately, so I'm always so pessimistic about it. Even though I'm on, I use it, but... Um, I always blame social media for the, the sins of the world, yeah. but uh, I, I see it in this virtue signaling thing that we see going on, and social media often feels like it's hosting like the woke Olympics, you know? So it's it's uh, who is the most compassionate, who's the wisest, who is uh, the most aware of what's going on in the world, and there's all these little ways that we try to cultivate this persona of being woke, you know, I think mm -hmm. is the best way to put it. And so... It's just, it's really, I think social media can be great in lots of ways, but it's really hard. It's, at least for me, it's become hard to know where people's hearts are at um, on social media because without talking with someone face-to-face, -face, without knowing them in the context of real life, it's, it's you know, you wonder, do, do they care about this issue that they're posting about or is this like about themselves ultimately, you know? Mm. And maybe that's pessimistic. Maybe I shouldn't worry myself about trying to judge people's hearts and motivations, but it just is, it just gets so messy when we when we make it about ourselves. And I know it happens because I've been drawn to do that myself, right? Mm. So it's like, oh, this huge issue's going on. I better post about it, you know? So people know where I stand mm. <laughs> as if the world is waiting for <laughs> like what Cody has to say about it. So I, I don't know, I see competition in that. You know. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. Um, I think social media plays out big now, <laughs> like in the pressure to whether it's likes, you know, obviously there's the pressure of likes, you know, and like, oh, my goodness, how many p likes does this post have or that post? But then just a, the constant affirmation stream of social media, mm -hmm. you know, is another thing. It's like there's almost a competitiveness in that, mm -hmm. like how many how many comments does this thing have versus yeah, instead how many of a scoreboard comments. it's the likes and the comments those metrics are still yeah 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 that's really that's a really really good point that you put is that i mean do you feel that pressure on social media i mean i don't see you too much on social media but i'm just kind of like posting a lot you're one of those stalkers or yeah, I'm lurkers. Yeah, stalker guy who kind of posts once in a while, but mostly in there to, to lurk and judge people. So <laughs> this is the depths of my heart and my sin there. But uh, no, I mean, I, again, I try to check myself. Like there are times when I do see that kind of happening. And, you know, you're always like you post something and then you're like, oh, how, what kind of how's the world receiving this? You know, mm. and depending on how they receive it, that's going to be how I feel about my life today. You know, so, yeah, I've been there. And uh I'm not not over that. There are moments when I have to, you know, kind of take little breaks from social media. But uh, yeah, I just I see competition in all kinds of ways, right? So yeah, not just sports, but yeah. Well, I mean, you're an educator. Mm -hmm. You are uh, of the host of the Forefront podcast. This is true. Yeah. 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 So yeah. so like, what are some of the blind spots that you see that we other blind spots? I mean, that's obviously one. Social media is. Mm -hmm something that I think not a lot of us pause and say, man, am I feeding into a dysfunctional system right now? Mm -hmm. You know, um, are there any other things that you look at and you say, just in society in general, you look around and you go, man, this is more competitive than I, mm -hmm. that I thought it. Yeah. I just think when you get older, 
everyone kind of they learn themselves better and they find the thing that they're good at and you want to do the thing you're good at because it's easier to compete in something you're good at right like mm-hmm. i have no interest in playing golf but if we're playing pickup basketball i'm invested you know so mm-hmm. it's harder to see um it's it's harder to see the people i know but like in the church you you that's a whole different subculture and you're competitive about totally different things and sometimes it's anti-competition you know it's like oh i'm not competitive uh, I'm I'm above being competitive. Mm. I'm too mature to be competitive. In fact, I'm more mature than you. you know? <laughs> oh wait, you're competitive. <laughs> you know? So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, the big one I had with social media and, and the virtue signaling. That's the one. That's the one arena I see it playing out in. But uh, there's lots of stuff in the church, and I think people are just drawn to what they're good at, and that's where they like to live. You know, because that's where they find the most affirmation. I guess. How, how do you define virtue signaling? Yeah, it's, it's a term I've heard thrown around, and I know it when I see it, but it's a little bit harder to define. I think it, it's used often with corporations, right? So like, oh, this company just put out this commercial that is like, hey, we stand on – we have this progressive view of this issue, and so, uh, you know, buy our product because you, you care about this issue too. So to me, virtue signaling, the, the problem with it in the, is that uh, – it's fake. You know, the, the fear is that like, oh, you don't really mean that. You're just pretending to care about someone or some issue to uh, lift yourself up. So, yeah, that's what I think the spirit of it is. Well, and and I think that that's important because when you – I think people have labeled other people for virtue signaling mm-hmm. when they really weren't virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. And like all of a sudden it becomes this – like now we're having this whole debate mm-hmm. on whether someone meant it or not. Who meant? Yeah. Did you really yeah. mean that? Did you mean it? And then that becomes a whole thing. Yeah. Like the cancel culture yeah. deal that we're dealing with right mm-hmm. now, you know, where it's essentially we're back to a shame-based culture Yeah. that, yeah, we're, yeah. that we're in right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And a lot of that's competitive. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, th- I think so. I think so. Because if you don't meet up to my standard of my what moral I moral standard, whatever that is for whoever that is, mm-hmm. then you are canceled from me. You're out, right? You're out. I f- I feel like underlying, and I appreciate the the quote from C.S. Lewis about pride, but I just feel like where we are right now, what's behind the co- competition is, I desperately want to be right. Mm-hmm. Like I just. That's the sense that I get about the competition. It's not so much I want to win the argument. It's I want to be. And maybe you don't see those mutually as exclusive. I see those as mutually exclusive. Like I think there's people that know that they're dead wrong and they still want to win the argument. But I think deep down everybody in these conversations wants to be right. Mm -hmm. What do they get when they're right though? What do they want underneath that? What do you think, Pedro? I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know either, but I'm, you know. Well, I, I think about this, like, there's conversations about being on the right side of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's something about image, and and I believe that there's also something about character. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be somebody that stood against the wrong thing mm-hmm. at the wrong time. Yeah. And And so, how much is that really about integrity? How much is that really about the way we see ourselves? And I think that that's kind of where we see competition rear its ugly head because then all of a sudden you have, well, 
I posted this or I served here or I was part of this protest. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we've had enough guests on about racism and the current events that like I look at the people that we've had on this podcast and they're doing very real work Mm -hmm. to move the issues forward. Yeah. And and that's kind of where competition that somehow the issue gets held behind there. But let's not even talk about controversial issues like it's really hard for a lot of people to admit that they're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why to go back to sports for a minute in, in my experience with them is that's why they're so beautiful is that there's an objective. There's a winner and there's a loser. And, you know. And it, it's not all about winning. That's not what it's always about. But I think about growing up with my brothers. And most of the time I spent with my brother. It was my little brother. He's three years younger than me. So I won everything, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever we competed, I won. Whether we were racing, we were um, trying to eat our dinner the fastest, whether we were doing like a, a word search. Like, I don't know. We didn't do a lot of word searches in my house. But <laughs> you get the point. Like I won. But he took you in Sudoku, right? Yeah, he took, yeah. he took numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Darn numbers. No, it's just, I just grew up winning everything, right? Because I'm competing against someone who's three years behind me, and, you know, cognitively, physically, all these ways. And then, you know, I, I, I'm the big athlete in high school at this tiny school, right, where there's not many athletes to begin with, right? And I get to college, and I'm on the football team for about 10 days until I realize, like, I, I don't really have a place here because everyone's as, as athletic as me or more athletic than me. And I didn't know there were this many people in the world that were just so – and this is the Vision 3 program, right? So that humbling moment was, uh, first of all, an identity crisis of who am I if I'm not a winner? And and then it was like, uh, well, what does it feel like to lose? And so learning how to lose has been something that the Lord has done over the, you know, the course of the last, whatever, six years mm-hmm. where I've lost a lot. I feel like whatever I'm doing, I'm losing about half the time. You know, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm playing ping pong the other day with a friend and something as small as ping pong. Uh, I'm like, I need to win. I need to win. And if I miss a point, I'm like, you know, I'm smacking my leg with the paddle. I'm like, dang it, you know. And, and my friend is watching is like, why do you get so angry? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm actually. So this is, you know, I've learned a little bit about losing. And so I'm, I'm a little more OK with losing now. But I wasn't angry when I was smack. You know, it was it was it was really natural. It was just like. Uh, you know, you miss the point. You're like, oh, shoot. Come on, yep. Cody. You know, come on, Cody. But yeah. fun. Like, I'm smiling ear to ear. I'm having a blast with my friend. But uh, she is just never isn't wired like that at all. It's not mm-hmm. as competitive as me. And she's like, man, you seem really angry. And I, I took an honest look at my heart real quick. And I was like, no, no, I'm not angry at all. Like, I'm, I'm fine. This is okay. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just, but I am competitive. And uh, in that moment, that felt like healthy competition versus the unhealthy stuff from the past. Real, I, I don't want to ramble here, but there's this real quick story I need to share about. It's this it's this intersection of the healthy and the unhealthy competition that uh, John. I don't know if you ever heard this, but so I, I didn't. You know, college football didn't work out, so I joined the club rugby team at Fisher, and never played rugby before. But I was like, oh, there's a lot I like about this, similar to football in lots of ways. So my first rugby match, I'm at the bottom. And keep in mind, this was early in my faith walk. Cody is. Uh, <laughs> 
a different guy outside the game. But when I'm in a really competitive environment like that, especially one where you're tackling each other, yeah. I, I kind of turn into a different person, right? So <laughs> so don't judge me too hard here. And I'm not condoning any of this. Oh, I'm judging right now. <laughs> or or you just heard the that's guy really that, who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you just heard from the guy that almost threw the Monopoly board at his kid. So anyway, yeah, don't worry. You're, you're in safe company here. So the, you guys will love this, I hope, because yeah. it's so funny. I'm, I'm at the bottom in this pile, right? In rugby, there's these scrums, and it's just a mess of men, like, whatever, wrestling each other. Yeah. And so I'm at the bottom of this pile, and no one can see me. The ref can't see me. And it just – I didn't plan it. It wasn't premeditated. But this instinct, this primal kind of violent instinct kicks in, and I – I punch an opposing player in the ribs a couple of times, just like a couple shots to the ribs real quick. No one could see it, right? We stand up. He stands up. He punches me in the face. Oh. Okay? And and I just kind of look at him. We, we make eye contact for just a few seconds, and it's either going to turn into a fist fight right. or it doesn't. And it doesn't. And here's why. Because with our eyes, just with our eyes, <laughs> we said – you know, he's like, hey, bro, I didn't want to punch you in the face, but you started that. And I was, <laughs> I was, like, I was like, bro, bro, bro. That's totally fair. You know, two punches to the ribs, unprovoked. That, you know, equals a punch to the face, fair and square. And so I'm like, bro, my bad. I, you know, I didn't even mean it. it. You know, well, I didn't mean it either. I just had to defend myself. So I totally respect you for doing that, bro. So, okay, so we didn't say any of this. But you know how that, that concluded? We, we did a quick side hug in the middle of the game, a little pat on the back, and we kept playing. Uh. And I was like... That, that's just this beautiful thing about competition. And what I did was dirty and cheap, and that's not how you should play rugby. But uh, I don't know. There's just something beautiful in that moment. And if you're listening, guy, that punched me in the face in a rugby game five years ago, and I'm sure you're probably listening to this, <laughs> hit me up, man. Find me on social media. I'm sure we're long-lost best friends. Like, I would, I really like this kid. You, you shined light on the unwritten rules of baseball. You know, right now. Tell like, me about that. I don't oh. know. I don't know oh, baseball well. Oh, you don't know what the honor. So, oh. like, like if if you get if a pitcher pegs you, like with with a ball, mm-hmm. like at some point there's going to be retaliation, right? And like, there's just certain things you don't do, like, and some of this is changing too. But if you hit a home run, mm-hmm. you can't gawk at it too much. Like, look at you don't it get and watch you it. don't get cocky. Right. Yeah, actually, you jockey, you'll get thrown at. Well, John, John, you yeah. know more about it. like what are some of those unwritten rules? Oh, there's a bunch of them. There's a, just a ton in baseball that you do, like. It's all unwritten. Fascinating. Yeah, you just don't do. It. Yeah, you don't. You don't jog around the bases too slowly after mm-hmm. you hit a home run. Like mm-hmm. it ru- kind of rub it in. Mm-hmm. If you do that, next time you're up at the plate, you'll you probably might. get one right to the ribs. You know, <laughs> couple right, shots to the ribs. Couple shots to the ribs. <laughs> Similar to you. You know, it's same 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 kind of deal. But that's just like a f- informal custom. Like it's an informal custom. You hit one of our best players with a ball guess what next time one of your best players is up guess what they're gonna get hit when they get up and it's kind of that self-policing thing that happens it's a self-policing thing and if you you know step out of those lines that's when the bench is clear right yeah and you get like yeah Wow. Just brouhaha. You get you get 80-year-old Don Zimmer run, <laughs> running up to Pedro Ma- Martinez from the bottom and, like, throwing his head down. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, okay. So here's a let – me, let me bring us back yeah. to the topic at hand. Yeah. With, with this, I feel like one of the things that in our society is so competitive is your resume. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I mean, your actual – Your actual resume. professional resume. Like our whole society is built around a resume. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I do? How good did I do it? 
like and and my resume has to match up with someone else's resume and mine has to look better than theirs you know so it's so easy for us to do things simply because it looks good on a resume mm-hmm. um we're supposed to be i think you know the fancy term for it is a meritocracy mm-hmm. that you get what you earn mm-hmm. you know now obviously we are an imperfect society in that regard mm-hmm. but that just places this whole big deal on a resume and and what you're going to put on there and and what you don't so yeah. anyway thoughts on that yeah absolutely i mean it's it's just this idea that like we want to matter you know we want to matter and we got to find a people or a place or a context or activity or hobby or job or something where we feel like we matter and if we don't have the affirmation of christ and being you know the bride of of the lamb like all that stuff that is just you know you call it churchy talk or not but that's just if we don't have that affirmation of christ then we gotta fill that hole with something um to use the most basic cliche christian language right but there's that gaping hole and so the resume is one way to do it because you get tangible stuff if you've got the resume you get the job you get the paycheck you drive the car you whatever so it's so much about identity and affirmation and emptiness satisfaction all that stuff and yeah, I mean, we both worked with college students. Peter, I'm sure you interact with lots of college age kids. Like, that's the the resume is the driving force for for so many young people. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm thinking of this principle. Um, so David Brooks would call it the second mountain. Um, Richard Rohr would call it the second half of life. Mm-hmm. And um, John's closest to it, but John he, is there. Let's face it, everybody. There you go. Around this table. There you go. He sounds youthful and spry, but in reality, yeah. Ah, uh, you said it. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you are spry. I mean, yeah, you're, not, you are, you're not youthful. Well, but you are spry. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll take. I'll take either side of that equation. You know that. No. But you know, there, our first half of life, we're striving mm-hmm. to make something of ourselves, and then the second half of life, there's something about becoming who we really are yeah and being and just like accepting you know and Mm -hmm. i i think the healthy places of our life and you know with competition with me even though i'm selective with it it, it's things that really matter Mm -hmm. or that go along with with me so Mm -hmm. yeah i know people that whatever game that they play they're competitive in Mm -hmm. but for me it's almost more insidious because like it's something that I think I should be ranked really high with. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it's this thing where, you know, my dad sat me down in the midst of growing up playing football. And uh, when I was, whatever, 12 years old, he sat me down. He said, he wrote this huge number on a piece of paper and said, This is how many people play peewee football like you're playing right now. It's a huge number. And he's like, This is how many people play college football. Much smaller number. He's like, This is how many people get to play for the Buffalo Bills in the NFL. You know, your dream. And it's this tiny number, you know, and maybe my dad, maybe it was a year or two too early to, to crush the dream. But I, I had to let go of that. But I didn't just let go of my spirit of competition and wanting to be, you know, supreme as something. It just transferred to other stuff, you know. So maybe for me, it's being the best teacher or being the best writer or podcaster. You know, it's easy to feel like the be- best podcaster when I'm sitting next to YouTube. Uh, obviously, it's a but, piece of cake here. <laughs> no, but I, I resonate with that, Peter. We all have our little things that we eke out in life, and we're like, I want to be the best in this tiny little niche here. But Yeah, yeah, I think all of us do. And 
You know, I think there is that that certain something about stages of life too that you almost can't get any other way. Um, you know, the spe the fact is, I'm I am competitive, but um, I feel like the pressure is less to be something else at a at a certain stage of life. You hit a spot mm -hmm. where you're like. I'm not trying to do this to prove to, to other people that I am something anymore. Mm -hmm. It just becomes like, this is who I am. And, and um, that's really- There's a piece about that or there's a piece of, or- Well, I think, I think you hit the despair first. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you hit the despair, you hit the, the stage of grief a little bit, uh -huh. and then you kind of- Because your dreams are dead. Because your dreams are dead. <laughs> Look at who I am. Look at who I've become. I'm never going to amount to anything, and I will never be remembered. That's it. No. But uh, no, right. I think at some, at some level, like you, you hit that, and you're like, well, okay. This is who I'm created to be, and maybe that's enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe that's enough. And there's a piece in that. Yeah. In hitting bro. that stage. So. Do you, I mean, if you could do 10 years over again, John, mm -hmm. are there areas where you wouldn't have been so competitive, not just Monopoly with your kids? Because mm, trying yeah. to beat a five-year-old is probably, you know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, competitive... I think it's that I think it's the attitude that I had of having to prove something. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I would lovingly go beside myself and just say, John, it's okay. It's okay. You don't you don't have anything to prove here. Mm -hmm. You know? And whether that was in relationships or other things, you know, I think there were some relationships that I probably tried to make just friendships that I tried to make something that they weren't because mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, I'm proving something in this. Mm -hmm. um, I think there were certain times I didn't confront things with people because I thought, oh, I I uh, if I let this go, they'll just get over it by themselves. Yeah. Um, I think there are just things that I just wasn't true to being who I was because I thought, oh, I just need to be accepted in other people's eyes more mm -hmm. um and to have a better image of myself out there 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 are times when i mean and john you'll laugh at this because you knew me when i was 19 years old in a mm -hmm. bible study in college right mm -hmm. and so bible study mode i'm like that's basically a football game as far as competition is concerned right because as a young young believer or on the verge of being one i don't know uh i was all about like i need to say the wisest thing here i need I need people to walk away from this Bible study thinking that Cody guy really loves Jesus. How humble! What a guy! My goodness! And uh, you know, now I'm I'm in a you know I've a, I'm still in a Bible study, but there's way less pressure to be like, yeah, this is not about you, bro. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have something wise to say, then share it. But it's not about you at all. And uh, there there's some change, and there needs to be more change. But uh, it's crazy how we take something so pure and, and good like that and even twist it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I was, you know, I was thinking probably I love public speaking mm -hmm. and I love podcast interviews. And I think the fear. So first of all, when you get asked, like my my immediate fear is if I say no, will they ever ask again? Mm -hmm. But then the second fear is like if you do a good enough job like or if you do really really well 
can you keep it going? Mm, right. You know, you're only as good as your like last sermon. Right. And I, I think even in these past couple years, you know, what's shifted is like, I even have to like write it down. What do people really need to hear? Because mm-hmm. I, I think what happens with competition is I'm going to make the sermon so great. I'm going to make the speaking engagement so great. And it's really just when you peel back the layers, it's because, you know, you want to be the best interview on the podcast. You mm-hmm. want to be the best whatever. But I think for me, what's really helped Clara is this really helpful for people. Yeah. And like, I think of like even security, you know, could you be secure enough that if someone said, Hey, I have this opportunity for you. And, you know, let's say it's about anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know what? I really appreciate you asking. My wife is a far better expert on anxiety. You know, I'd be happy to talk to you about any other topics. I appreciate, but like there's, there's a sense of security Mm-hmm. you know, within competition to just kind of know your your lane and role. But I think that's what I would change from the last five years is just this feeling like every time you get this opportunity, you have to hit a home right. run. Right. So, mm. Mm. Peter, you're speaking to my soul right now, man. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's so good, man. Yeah. That is good. And I, I, I feel that as well. I still feel those pressures that are there. And I don't think those ever necessarily go away. I think it's just how you learn to 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 listen to those voices or to to acknowledge them and then just say thank you for being their voice that was that's nice mm-hmm. um but i you aren't the driving force behind this right now you know and i have to still remind myself of those same things although yesterday i was just watching this so so here's just a little bit about communication that i was thinking about like and how a good communicator is not really the star of their own show, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. Yeah. And I was thinking about that because I'm I'm preaching this week. You're preaching next week. I'm like thinking through my my sermon, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, how am I going to do this? Da, 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 da. And I got enraptured by this guy who's on YouTube who is going over classic rock songs. And he just like picks apart a classic rock song. And for 30 minutes, he like delves into the song and what he calls what makes this song great. Mm-hmm. And he just tears it apart bit by bit, but it ends up not being, a, you don't fall in love with the guy, you fall in love with the the, the song. You're like, I never saw that song yeah. was so beautiful before. Right. And the guy's kind of like, a, you know, you're like, oh, I appreciate his perspective on it. Right. But you realize the beauty in the song and I guess that's the the stage of life where you go, oh my goodness, that's where I want to be. Yeah, is where it's not like, oh, John is such a great person, but he's pointing to this bigger yeah. song of of life that like that when when he talks about that in that way, I see Jesus more yeah. than I've ever seen him. I, he's different than what I thought he was, and oh my, I have an appreciation for him that I never had before. So that that becomes more of my heart at this stage of my life because it matters more, you know. Right. Like if people walk away from the Bible study saying, "Wow, Cody's so godly," right. that's that they can't do anything with that. That doesn't it's it's not good, right? Mm. But walking away saying, "Man, Jesus is beautiful." That's mm-hmm. uh, that's the way it should be because that matters, right? right? So we should care about something that matters as opposed to something that doesn't. Yeah, yeah. 
so maybe we should talk about your sports career, but I'll go into a little bit of mine. Peter, not that this is do, fun. That, Peter, I, I, I didn't that. bring any of my jerseys so, with me. So, so this man. is this is literally like the reason why we do a podcast is as if the great. three of us put microphones down to a Starbucks conversation. That's right. This That's, is this is it. So is it. so in high school, I I hit three game winners in basketball. Yeah, you did. And uh-huh. um, <clears throat> we won't talk about the one where someone was booing me and I hit <laughs> two free throws, even though I just did. But so I'll, ne- I'll, I'll never forget. I was in 10th grade, mm-hmm. barely made the varsity basketball team. And we had our home tournament. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is shifting how competition can be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a terrible game, but one of the guys foul- fouls out on the team. And when he fouls out, you know, the assistant coach looks at the head coach and says, you should put Pete in. And all of a sudden, you know, the coach is like, he turned the ball over like five times. Why would we do that? But he put me in. And, you know, we were down by uh, two points and they're playing a two, three zone. And there's like 10 seconds left Mm -hmm. and they roll the ball down and or you know the senior player on the team rolls right, the ball so right. because the clock, the clock yeah. yeah yeah so he dribbles and he passes me the ball and there's a shuffleboard court on my high school court which is probably about nba range three. Mm-hmm. Oh wow oh dear and you know i i, I want to say it's a holy spirit moment maybe it was bad <laughs> pizza but but you spiritualize this you sound like you're bragging yeah before but, you go into the brag mode just but, say but, you know, spirit. but you know <laughs> now you're free i i literally so like where competition would be unhealthy right it was this is your moment you need to make this shot but when i got the ball nothing was going through my head mm. it was just this beautiful moment yes. of like shooting and everybody in the stands was like no no <laughs> and the ball like hits the back of the rim drops through crowd goes crazy like so we win this game to go to the championship we lost the championship game though and i think about that and i look back and what i think grew out of that healthy competition is you know when your numbers called Mm-hmm. can you make a difference? Hmm. You know, and I I think about that shot, you know, for funerals and for weddings, and and maybe there's a little bit of unhealthiness there, but I think all of this conversation, it's not a clear black and white, there's murky, mm-hmm. but, you know, I look back at that and how God was preparing me saying, there's moments I need you to step into this situation. Mm-hmm. But my senior year of high school, I didn't really have any game winners. There's other guys that did. Mm-hmm. And there's other moments that you realize, like, you know, the, and I think having a healthy sort of competition yeah. and security, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to step into this moment because I can help. And kind of like what John was saying, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about you. But if God has placed you in this position, if you have this opportunity, don't take it with the fear of failing. Take it with the fear of, or not even the fear, but take it with looking at this opportunity that maybe something has opened up. Yeah. That's so, and that, that takes, I mean this, it takes some courage to say that, right? Because we cannot, we can never celebrate ourselves, right? So, mm. um, and it's not, well, you're not, you're not saying let's celebrate ourselves, but I've never heard it say, put so unashamedly that like, 
I had that moment and it was good, period. I made the shot. I mm. won the game for us, you know. And I could have easily missed a shot. It was a bad shot. Like let's just <laughs> it, it was it dinked yeah. off the it, back it, of it, it was win. it was pre Steph Curry. Yeah. Like I think my coach thanks God every day that Steph Curry wasn't alive <laughs> or wasn't or he was that he wasn't playing basketball right. when I was anyways. But that's hilarious. Yeah. No, that's that's good, Peter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about my athletic career, and, you know, I, I played sports all growing up. I played baseball in college. The fact is, I I probably, as you were alluding to in some of what you you were saying, Cody, I think I've failed more than I've had successful moments, like glory moments. Mm-hmm. Like, the, my failures, if you added them all up, my failures way outweigh my glory moments. And maybe there's something about baseball that's intrinsically built that way. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, if right. you bat 300, you're an all-star, right, right? Right. So, so there's something built into the baseball system that is designed to do that for you. But I do think there so so rather than to paint it all good or all bad, I think there is something that competition does for us that it focuses us. Mm-hmm. And and I think sometimes we need that. We need focus, you know. Um, think about stepping into the batter's box, you know, and it's just you and the pitcher, and it's and it's just it's one on one. That's what it is, and everybody, all eyes are on you. Yeah, and it's up to you how you do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and the pressure of that, you know, and 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 that's life. Yeah, that's not like that's not just on the baseball field. That's life. Yeah. There, there's a lot of situations where we where we're where we step into and it's like oh my goodness the pressure is on right now mm-hmm. and if i fail is that okay yeah and yeah. i think that's maybe what i learned most by playing baseball is that you survive failing yes mm. you know it's that sure i've had times that i could you know talk about the successes but i've i've probably learned more through the failures than i did through yeah. the successes to learn that eventually that wound will heal, mm-hmm. you'll you'll get back in that batter's box again mm-hmm. and give it another go. Uh, yeah, and that that's so true. And it reminds me of you know like in, in football, you if you've ever played running back, you know you get the football and it's Friday night lights, right? Mm. The whole town, which in my case was like thirty seven people, was there, right? And you get the football and there's this moment where like it's only whatever it's a five second long play and football's short. But you get the football and you just feel this adrenaline rush and it's such focus. You're so concentrated on advancing the ball and avoiding people that in those moments I, I had zero room to th- consider like problems at home and mm-hmm. school stress and relationship issues, right? As much as a 17-year-old can have relationship <laughs> issues and, and all this stuff melted away because I was so focused on this like really innocent thing which was just you know healthy competition. And the thing I regret is, you know, you know, 20 yard run. And then I'm just like soaking in all the, the crowd cheering for me instead of running back to my offensive lineman and be like, hey, nice block, nice block. Yeah. And that's the thing I miss is the camaraderie that you get from a team sport like that. Mm-hmm. So we go one and seven that junior year. And we just had to like come out for the football team again next year, even though the whole school, you know, thought it was hilarious that we sucked so bad. And um, but those are the first real, real friends I made. Mm-hmm. We've been through some adversity and. In retrospect, high school football is not like going to Vietnam or something, right? But there's this little element of like, hey, we've been we've been to war together, and we we lost some guys, you know, and uh, we're gonna press on. It, the the relationships you can build from something like that is just another 
another way competition maybe isn't always bad. Well, what do you what do you both think about this? So, you know, I read a book uh, by Jason Fox. It's How to Lead a Quest, and you know, basically, it's a business book that's saying hey, let's not talk about competition, and it it kind of goes together with Simon Sinek, the Infinite Game. You know, is competition healthy when it's not directed at a person mm. or? you know, um, a company or an organization yes. okay. or, you know, are there other problems when you direct it as, Hey, we're pioneering something. Hey, you know, what do you guys think about that? I, I can I respond quick, John? Please, so I, please do. Yeah. This is the one thing I wanted to bring up and it's this, this concept of, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot, right? So I watched the last dance, the Michael Jordan doc, right? Yeah. And it made me think a lot about this competition stuff. And it's, it's opened my eyes to something I've been seeing in scripture. And the only way I can put it is this divine swagger, right? It, mm. It's the only word I can think of that is appropriate to say in church and <laughs> it, it, like captures this. Also known as my deodorant. Yeah. <laughs> divine <laughs> swagger. Old spice, divine swagger. <laughs> you heard it here I'm first. I'm on a horse. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but there's this, there is this pattern throughout Scripture where you know a, a few passages I dug up quick. Isaiah forty two thirteen, the Lord will march out like a champion, like a war, warrior. He will stir up his zeal with a shout. He will raise a battle cry and triumph over his enemies. Right. So there's this like, you know, we sometimes we put God in this little Sunday school box and he's this tender little lamb and he is tender and thank goodness he is. But there's this other side of God who is who is a fiery competitor and he's the alpha and the omega and he is the dog, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think about, uh, this moment in the last dance, right? If you've seen this documentary, uh, the doc crew is interviewing a guy named, uh, Gary Payton, I think, right? The glove, Peter, you know, basketball, like crazy. So mm -hmm. you remember this moment where they're interviewing Gary Payton and they're like, Gary, you, did you give Michael some issues on deep with your defense in that championship game? And, and Gary's like, yeah, you know, I think it wore on Mike. My defense was – well, they lost the series. I mean, it yeah. really, I don't know how effective he was against Michael Jordan. But they take that clip of him interviewing Gary and say, yeah, I deed up Michael Jordan. And then they show the clip on a tablet to Michael Jordan, and they record Michael's reaction to watching that clip. And it's so up Michael hears this guy say, yeah, I deed up Jordan. It really wore on Mike, I think. And Michael Jordan laughs like this beautiful, <laughs> hilarious laughter, like he had zero respect for the guy, like – I had no problem with this guy. And he is truly tickled by what he's watching, mm -hmm. right? And then I think about Psalm 37, 12, 12 through 13. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. And I just think about the Lord is like, got this kind of attitude, right? Mm. Doesn't he? Well, you know what's even funnier is um, there's trash talking, in the Bible. Yeah. Like lots of trash. Talk. There's lots of trash. Like, I mean, somebody out there has got to write a paper on that yes. because, you know, I'm reading to my daughter, you know, the little Bible stories right. and there's Elijah. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't, you don't hear a lot of people talking the specifics of Elijah's trash talk. Yeah. Yep. He's like, that's not in a lot of the kids storybooks. <laughs> he's like, Hey, you're, you know, he has to go against the, uh, priests of Baal and they're trying to compare whose God will actually bring fire from heaven. And they, he's like, hey, maybe maybe your God's in the bathroom, like disposed. Right. And that's like the PG version, right. you know. So, yeah. And, yeah. and it's just, it's funny because 
sometimes we're so anti-culture yeah. that we forget like the Bible was was fine with this. And even, you know, I read Paul. Yeah. Oh yeah. Paul like has no problem calling people no. out, like even with sarcasm. And I think about how that comes with competition that we say like I know people that would say trash talking is just wrong. Right. But even with healthy competition, is there a right place yeah. for trash talking? It seems like the Bible's okay with I, it. I think so. Peter, listen to this one real quick. And So Eight Mile is a movie with Eminem. I do not recommend it. I watched it way too young too many times. It's adult content. I watch it at your own discretion. I'm not promoting Eight Mile. But there is this culture of hip-hop where they rap battle, right? So you go back and forth insulting each other. And so I think about that movie and I think about this this crazy great sermon I heard once. And the sermon was basically this. In the Garden of Eden, Satan says, here, take this fruit and eat of it, and you will be like God, right? And then you fast forward in history, and Jesus at the Last Supper says, here, take this bread, which is my body, and eat of it, and you will be like me. And there's just like this response to Satan's schemes, mm. and it's it's poetic, and it's it's intentionally parallel to like, I don't know, just the way he tells the story that is human history is so... It just has this competitive flair in it that is okay to celebrate and uh, praise him for, I think. Mm. I think the big question, before we get to the Jesus question, we had a little bit more time, but to someone that's really competitive, the question is, is why? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we, we started with that C.S. Lewis quote with the pride, but the real question is, I think there's a personal reason. You know, so if you both look back at your life, What's the why of competitive? Hmm. Depends on what you're talking, which which season you're talking about in my life, and also what specifically I'm I'm doing that's competitive. But I will say this: probably the overarching reason behind a lot of my competitiveness is a gaining is a is a yearning for acceptance. Mm-hmm. Like if I just succeed, I will be accepted. And that could be in any number of ways. I mean, anything, anything from little to big, but a, a, a desire on my part to feel like I belong, I'm accepted. Mm -hmm. And if I succeed, I will be accepted. Um, I think that's where, for me, a lot of it has yeah. come from. I, I'll answer it two, in two angles because the unhealthy version, the unhealthy why is I want to be the guy standing on the field with the whole town watching me on Friday night, and I want to, not to say the Christian Pat answer here, right? But I want to be worshipped. I want everyone to be applauding at my talent, my skill, my ability, and I want everyone to be thinking about how great Cody Schweikert is. And that gives me this high and this validation and this puff out my chest, right? The, the reason for healthy competition in my life and why I'm still competitive in a different way is that I'm made in the image of God, and I I'm glad to be wired the way I am, and to care about you know in, in a healthy way. I think because yeah, because I'm I'm God's son, and He made me that way. He made me to care about stuff. I don't know. I think I've just always wanted to matter, mm -hmm. and when I think about the chip on my shoulder, I mean I don't know if I've shared this in the podcast, but. I basically got picked on every day from like kindergarten to sixth grade. And in some ways my athletic drive and I wasn't successful. It was 
a small Christian school, you know, we were division Z, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in New York state public, but love me some Ross Cornish Christian Academy, but represent, uh, but like, I had this need to get on the varsity soccer team in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this need to get on the varsity basketball team like freshman year and and stuff like that. And I it was it was just like I I matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I ma- like you can pick on me all you want, but I matter. And when I see the unhealthiness come out it's because i believe for some reason you think i don't matter Mm -hmm. Mm. 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 so good man so good i appreciate the vulnerability and this has been a really i think great discussion about all of this and probably one of our just most vulnerable discussions just uh i think and and fun discussions at the same time that we've had so it's been been really fun so i mean we've touched a little bit about this but but what do you guys think jesus would say about this john you 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 get to go first i did uh i did two out of three no man you did you did well so well on that last one i'm just thinking about your your vulnerability on that and i i love the fact of what you shared there um i i think for jesus Vulnerab- uh, the, the, the concept of competition really isn't, you, you, can't, you can't make it individual. Um, mm-hmm. So when you, I think unhealthy competition tends to make it about me. As you were talking about, Cody, I'm, I'm like resonating with that. Mm-hmm. And I think un, unhealthy competition never really involves anybody else except for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a healthy competition that says I'm going to represent other people and lift other people up. I don't have to be the star of the show, but I want to do I want to do my part mm-hmm. and I'm going to give it everything I got because you do have a part. Because I do have a part mm-hmm. and I'm going to give it everything I possibly have and there is a there is something good in that. And I think that's why Jesus surrounded himself with 12 disciples. Think about that. Like he didn't he could have done his ministry all on his own if he wanted to. But he wanted to show us the importance mm-hmm. of surrounding yourself with a team of people and, and pouring yourself into others, and their success is your success. And and uh, I think if we view competition through that lens of other people's success is really our success, like it isn't all about us, that's so much more freeing than it all being on our shoulders. So that's, you're not talking about false humility there. You're you're talking about really caring about other people's success. Yeah, like yeah. really genuinely caring about other people. Like if they can succeed and I'm so invested in them that their success is actually something that makes me thrilled, mm-hmm. then I know that that's a good level of like that's healthy competition for me, mm-hmm. hmm. at least from my perspective. Um, if other people that I've invested in are succeeding and I go, wow, that's amazing. That to me is like healthy. Yeah. I, I love how you kind of separated healthy competition, unhealthy. I think that's a good way to start. Um, I, I think it just all starts with identity. And for those of you that are listening, uh, this has probably been one of the most random conversations we've ever had. Um, you know, we laughed, we cried. In, in the words of Larry the Cucumber from VeggieTales, it moved me, Bob. But um, the reason I think identity is important is 
for those of you that are on the fence to follow Jesus, um, the gospel is good news to to be believed. It's not good advice. So if you think Christianity is a bunch of rules, you know, it's about love your neighbor, serve your neighbor and all that, then you've missed an important step because Jesus through his death and resurrection is saying to you, you matter. And so I'm, I'm looking at Ephesians 1 right now, and I think what's powerful in it is Paul is writing to this church that feels like they don't matter, feels like, you know, they're below. And he starts off by saying you're, you're chosen mm-hmm. and you're adopted as God's children. And when we have healthy identity and know who we are, that allows you to compete at a level that just doesn't matter. You know, you can compete, you can be competitive, you can celebrate others' wins because you know that God created you in his image, that you're loved by him, that the death and resurrection of Jesus can change him. And that that is the message of Christianity. And for those of you that aren't following Jesus, that's, you know, you can seek your purpose in so many other ways. You can hit the resume, you can become the CEO and and how many people found out that it really wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, what Jesus is saying is that your identity comes from him. Mm-hmm. Close us up, Cody. Yeah, close us up here. How do I, you know, what do I say in response to that? I'm just drinking in all that wisdom. Um, yeah, I just, and it's so crazy how, how easily I forget that stuff. And it's not a lesson just for, you know, people who are maybe just coming to Christ. But, man, I needed to hear that. And... I think also about Romans 12.10, uh, Paul says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And that kind of competition is totally countercultural, and it's, again, it's not false humility, right? It's not like, oh, no, please let me wash your feet, you right. know? Um, it's, it's really about doing what Christ did. What did Christ do? He exalted himself by humbling himself, right? He was exalted because he humbled himself, and if we with God's help, can lose ourselves, like really lose ourselves in, in loving God and loving others. And I'm not saying self-care is evil or anything like that, right? We get, we just talked about that two episodes good. ago, so there you go. You guys got those bases covered. Yeah. But, so the idea of losing yourself in, in love for God and others is just this thing that over time you, you'll finish the race and you'll be made great through that kind of service and that kind of, you know, not being so obsessed with yourself. So I need to hear that and uh, – I, I finally think about, um, you know, the, all the images to running a race. You know, Paul often talks about running a race. And I remember being in high school track and the 400-meter hurdles is, I don't care what anyone says, that's the hardest race in track oh. is the 400-meter hurdles because it's a sprint, you know, but there there are some hurdles in the way. And so <laughs> I think about you turn the corner and you're running the last stretch and you're just overcome with pain, right? You can't breathe. Your legs feel like a million pounds. but. I always had a couple people there watching and saying, Cody, like, go, go, Cody, keep running, keep running, keep running. And knowing that man, I just got to get a little bit further and the race is going to be over. And that's how I'm trying to live my life when suffering comes. And a lot of us have experienced it this year. How do we endure and dig deep and finish the race? And, you know, we've got a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And that's kind of been something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it, it takes some some divine swagger and some competition to finish a race like that with guts. And so, yeah, I, I love Jesus in the way he asks us to, to follow him. 
Man, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for joining the uh, three episodes club. Um, you can find the exclusive three episodes club. At this, he's point, the only member at this point as of right now. That's right. You, you guys know, run out of people that are qualified, or what? No, I think it's just that good. When the just... demand's that high for Cody Schweiker, what are you going to do? You know, who else would wear their high school football jersey? <laughs> I do. Nobody's that immature. <laughs> uh, on that note, use uh, the hashtag WGW Podcast along with Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, WGW Podcast. Um, we uh, thank you so much for joining. And um, you can find Cody on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, we hope that you have a wonderful day. Thank you so very much.